The presidential motorcade has just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. Mueller time has come and gone. And there is no Russian collusion. Wow, who'd have thunk it? I would have never guessed. Unbelievable. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the Mueller report because I personally haven't read the whole thing. Um, It just came out over the weekend. Of course, Sunday night it went to uh, the news media. People are now showing that there is and was no Russian collusion. But um, the new talking point is, well, there might have been obstruction of justice. Yeah, obstruction of justice. Well, let's think about this. Comey, McCabe, struck all of them fall under the executive branch and if he decides he wants to fire you that's his branch he's more than willing to he's more than allowed to the other thing is if he really wanted to talk about russian collusion uh, obstruction you know if he if if people really wanted to think about did he really obstruct this investigation well wouldn't he have fired Rod Rosenstein, the 50 million times that Rod Rosenstein was meeting with him in his office and everyone rumored, oh, is he going to quit? Is he going to get fired? Oh, no, he's staying on the case. I think that happened at least five times over the course of this entire investigation. And Trump never let him go. Trump said, I'm keeping him on board. Um, yeah, so I and what's really funny is you have to look at the role of what Robert Mueller was engaged in. He was a special prosecutor. So he was looking up evidence. He was looking for information. He doesn't have the ability to levy whether or not obstruction occurred or even exonerating obstruction. That's not his role. You know, you got to be tried in a court of law. You need to, you know, everything he was gathering up would have built a case And had they taken that case on, then we could go through a trial and turn around and go, well, the trial said he didn't obstruct justice, so he was exonerated. That's how that works. This isn't something that Mueller was going to do, because like James Comey, we're expecting him to do things he's not or doesn't have the authority to do. That's what they did with Comey. And that's what people have to realize is when Comey brought that case for Hillary Clinton up and then turn around and said, yep, she did nothing wrong that he wasn't, that wasn't his place to do that. And then he came back again and did it a second time. And we'll get into some of that in a little bit when uh, we bring up this conserved conservatism article from the bulwark. Gosh, slightly dangerous. The bulwark conserving conservatism, conservatism conserved by a bunch of weekly standard, never Trumpers. And of course, I am not either or. You know, I'm not the big MAGA guy. I like what he's doing. I love what Trump did with Israel, the Golan Heights, all this. Trump has been a bigger friend to Israel than any other president we've had in the past. 
And it's important. You know, Israel is dealing with strikes from Hamas. They had Hamas strikes just over, you know, Sunday into Monday in the Gaza Strip. And it's amazing that Trump would sign the Golan Declaration with Benjamin Netanyahu to push for the fact that he is recognizing Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. Vice President Pence and Trump. And we have always been a friend to Israel. I can get into the biblical aspects. I can get into the historical aspects. We can get into the fact that Israel is the one democracy within that entire region. But whatever the case may be, Israel has been an ally to us, and they have also been someone keeping everyone in check. Syria, keeping Iran in check when Iran is littering itself all throughout Syria, building bases throughout Syria. You know, Iran goes over there and takes out all the bases that, or uh, Israel goes out there, takes all the Iranian bases out that are littered through Syria, and then goes in and removes all of the intel from their their nuclear program. So you got to give it to Israel, and we should support them in that respect. And President Trump is doing so. But these uh, bulwark idiots, these uh, never-Trump guys who... They want to die on their sword for the Republican Party. The Republican Party has done nothing for us ever. The Republican Party has given us George W. Bush. The Republican Party kept pushing Mitt Romney. They pushed Mitt Romney up against McCain, and then McCain gets it. And the only way they jazz up the base is to throw Sarah Palin in there. And after she does her speech and jazzes up the base, they go, ah, you need to tone it down a little bit. And so what happens? We get more lukewarmism. We get more pandering to the base while they lose elections. Yeah, they've won many representative elections and Senate elections and local elections, state elections. Republicans are basically running the show and on, on much of these state legislations. Um, problem is, when they are in power, what do they do for us? They bloat the budget up just like a leftist. They don't do anything conservative. So what ends up happening is the bulwark wants to fight for that GOP status quo. And, we, and, and they will not give up the Russian collusion obstruction mythos, too. They're right there with the left. Brian Stelter. I mean, I've, I saw two things that I thought were really interesting in the course of the day in kind of looking at the reaction towards... Everything going on with the Mueller report. The first was Joe Scarborough, really surprised with his take on it. He said, memo to journalists, it's, it is good news for America when someone as respected as Robert Mueller takes two years to methodically determine that the sitting president of the United States did not conspire with Russia. Take a breath. Wow. Reason and logic from that guy? And then, of course, you have Brian Stelter from CNN, who basically, this was his take, said, there, there's been so much solid reporting about Trump-Russia mystery, but the media ecosystem tends to reward speculation over straight news. Are there ways to change this? Uh, yeah, how about reporting? Most of the solid reporting was done by a tiny handful 
of actual journalists. Kimberly Strassel, Greg Jarrett, you know, John Solomon, Byron York. Dan Bongino's been digging in. I think even Cheryl Atkinson. You know, there's a handful of people, and it's just like what happened with Parkland, the Parkland shooting, which apparently there was another death. There's two deaths uh, due to PTSD, two suicides of people that used to be uh, students of Parkland and were involved in the shooting, I guess, at some point. And what's even bizarre is the story that came out earlier of Jeremy Richmond, the father of the six-year-old who was killed at Sandy Hook, found dead, apparent suicide. Apparently, everybody is committing suicide that was involved in some fashion, whether they had you know, a sibling, whether they had a relative, whether they were in the school. If you were involved in a shooting, a mass shooting in a school, and it was one that was actually publicized and, and exploited by the media, not some of these other ones that, you know, there was a shooting going on and, that, and it didn't fit the narrative, so it just kind of goes away. You know, apparently if you were in the ones that were really notable for pushing gun control, like Parkland and Sandy Hook, eventually PTSD is going to cause you to commit suicide. I'm not trying to make it a conspiracy theory. I just find some strange threads some strange parallels going on. But yeah, Brian Stelter, you're wondering how you fix this? How about report the freaking news? And of course, Dan Rather, you know, he had to take on it as well. Um, that was, I get what he's saying, but it can be kind of taken the other way too. He said, I've covered enough big stories to know that sometimes the headlines from the first day can evolve considerably as more information comes to light. Yeah, you guys should have taken that to note because that's happened with Covington. That happened with Ahmed the Clock Kid. That happened with Ferguson. That's happened with Trayvon Martin. That Any story that has this stupid media narrative, as the weeks go on or even the days or even the hours, more information comes to light. And you come to find out, hmm, that's not what it was. And it could have actually been applied to this situation. How about the news stories when the report and the investigation began? Wow, the evolution is startling. So Trump has basically shown the media and the leftists that your little game of investigating me to death is over. It's bunk. It's garbage. And what's even crazier about it is no one is looking at Hillary Clinton and the fact that Clinton uh, sold or facilitated the sale of uranium to the Russians, also tried to facilitate a Silicon Valley-style project, a, a, you know, a construction project, in, in, and also a development project to bring in tech companies into Russia, the Skoklovo project, which actually Russian government operatives were taking the, the information through that and using it for military intelligence. They were stealing military secrets from the United States through that tech development program. No one's looking at any of that. I mean, if there's real Russian collusion, it would be that. I would think if, and I said this probably around the time when the Mueller investigation began, if we wanted to think, who would it be that would benefit the most under a presidency for Putin? Would it be Trump? Would, would Putin benefit the most from a Trump presidency or from a Hillary Clinton one? Well, Clinton basically sold them just about everything under the sun. Military intelligence, nuclear secrets, 
nuclear uranium. I would think that would be your go-to guy instead of a guy who may want to build a tower in Moscow at some point in his life. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to pin it all on Trump. And the bulwark was out there conserving, uh, conserving conservatism with this beautiful piece that says, what about ism? They love that term. Trump, Hillary, and Covington. Ken Starr is a smart piece arguing that... <laughs> i got to stop there. Ken Starr is a smart piece arguing that now that the investigation is over, it's important that Robert Mueller stay quiet. Starr's essential argument is that if a prosecutor can indict a suspect, then the traditions of American law demand that he not go public and impugn the suspect. Here's from Starr. One relative uh, or one relevant first principle was dramatically illustrated in the breach during the waning weeks of the 2016 presidential campaign. Then FBI director James Comey announced at a press conference that no criminal charges will be brought against Hillary Clinton. Comey didn't stop there, however. In that press conference, which will continue to live on in infamy, Comey sharply criticized the former Secretary of State for her ill-considered conduct in housing a server in her private residence only to receive official and not infrequent classified information. The nation should have risen as one in righteous indignation in the aftermath of the Comey press conference. In a single misadventure, Comey both seized power that was not his, the power to seek an indictment, which is what we were talking about earlier, the pejorative that was entrusted to the attorney general and then violated one of its fundamental principles of public prosecution. Thou shalt not drag a subject or target of the investigation through the mud via public criticism. Prosecutors either seek an indictment or remain quiet. And this gentleman said, I have some questions. Of the people now defending Trump, roughly what percentage of them were outraged by Comey's public takedown of Hillary Clinton in 2016? Accepting Starr, who I happen to know was outraged at the time because I spoke to him then. He is a man of deep honor and integrity and a great writer, too. You should read his book. Um, well, we knew that it wasn't going anywhere, even though he was investigating. And then when he exonerated her, <laughs> unlike Mueller did for Trump, we all said, how is that possible? And then they go on to say, of the people that now say Trump is exonerated by Mueller's decision not to indict, roughly what percentage believe in 2016 that Comey's decision not to indict exonerated Hillary Clinton? Well, being that they closed the case, opened it again and closed it again, shows me that they went through the motions of an investigation. We didn't go through the motions of wasting millions and millions of dollars in two freaking years after a president was elected. We didn't go through that. So I would say at the close of this investigation, a constant two-year digging, I would say, yeah, Trump got vetted pretty hard and he came out looking slightly rosy on the other end of it. Hillary Clinton, they went through the motions. They opened it up and then they said, oh, yep, nope, everything good, bye. Oh, NYPD, which you have to know that backstory. You have to know the backstory that the NYPD got a hold of Anthony Weiner's laptop, saw a ton of stuff on it, went back to the FBI and said, ah, uh, you guys need to reopen this case. You, you didn't do this case correctly. So much stuff is on this laptop. How can you have just wrapped it up in a bow like you did? You better reopen it. And then they did. And then, of course, they found things they could blackmail the NYPD with. And so they were able to turn around and close it again right before the election. So Hillary had two investigations open and shut pretty quickly. 
And therein lies this situation. But, you know, the bulwark wants to make this whataboutism as though people who are looking at it from the outside and going, well, Trump uh, didn't do anything. They want to say, well, what did you think about Hillary Clinton? Well, two different scenarios, two different sets of situations, two different treatment and handling methods. I'd say we know what's going on. If Hillary Clinton had been investigated for two years, nonstop, every single day, and had the media destroy her credibility and her character every flipping hour in a 24-hour news cycle for over two years, I would say at a certain point, they would find something. But to just open it up, go through the motions, say, yep, we're good, and have all these people exchanging texts with each other in the background, all of this information, FBI, DOJ, all this stuff coming out, they all worked for Clinton. They all had ties to the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton family. Bruce Orr, Nellie Orr, Peter Stroke, Lisa Page, uh, uh, Rumler. Everybody has a connection to the Clintons. I would say when something is open and shut as quickly as it was twice, it's a little bit of a different situation going on there. Possibly the most amazing timing with the release of the Mueller report summary showing that nothing happened to Trump was what happened to Michael Avenatti, the porn lawyer. This guy's a piece of work. This is the guy. We did a whole show on this guy. He's the one who uh, was basically the grifter exploiting Stormy Daniels. And then when Kavanaugh was being uh, you know, nominated for the Supreme Court and he had all those women show up, kind of like a Herman Cain, Roy Moore situation, all of a sudden... He shows up with somebody who may have had the most insidious situation with it all. Come to find out he was trying to pay $75,000 to, to uh, a couple that pranked him on 4chan. Remember, they're the ones that said that he had this secret code of FTFTFTFT, which meant find them, feel them, French them, F them, and forget them. And then he talked about this devil's triangle three-way thing that I'm not even going to get into. And he got punked by it because the people who were feeding this garbage to him were using burner phones. Next thing you know, he puts his account to private status online. Yeah, the guy will do anything for money and fame. So, of course, CNN and the news, they had him on over 108 times over the last, what, year and a half? So the guy has been living rent-free on cable news and he is beyond broke he's tried to commit bank fraud and now it's come out that he has tried to go after nike yep he tried to extort nike and he tried to basically say that he was going to uh spill the beans on something that was gonna be really detrimental to nike as a company employee treatment, what have you. It was supposed to sink their stock price. And he wanted so many millions to be paid directly to him. And if that were the case, then he'll go quiet. That's, you know, it's extortion there, guy. I mean, Alan Cole said, oh my gosh, this Avenatti stuff is amazing. The Nike lawyers set up a sting where they were like, please, Mr. Avenatti, tell us again your proposal in which you solicit an eight-figure sum of money and uh, not for your client, but for you personally. And Avenatti was like, sure, why not? What an idiot. 
like you said, pro pro tip. If you do something shady and then they go quiet for a while and then they're like, hey, please let us uh, have that phone call where you reiterate your shady plans to do crimes and you say, oh, why not? You probably should hang up and never talk to them again. Now, he's being charged for multiple things. In fact, what's amazing is who's involved with it, who is a co-conspirator in some of these uh, frauds. It's a. Uh, it's actually Jesse Smollett's lawyer. That's right. He's no longer a CNN contributor anymore. Um, he is being involved in being a co-conspirator with Avenatti, and they tried to extort Nike amongst a group of other uh, situations, other businesses. But all of that is hitting the fan at the same time that New York City Police Department and in uh, New York Times bestselling author Bernard Carrick puts out, House GOP plans on making criminal referrals to AG William Barr for officials who perpetuated this hoax for three plus years in an attempt coup of the presidency of the United States. And remember what we talked about earlier, NYPD has the Wiener laptop. They have the goods on everything that happened with Hillary Clinton, with Anthony Wiener. We're going to play this clip at some point. It may not be on this show of Eric Prince of Blackwater calling in to Breitbart News and telling them what he knew from friends in the NYPD and what they have told him, and that there are tons of things on this laptop. In my mind, the Anthony Weiner laptop is key. It is very important because it contains everything that the left doesn't want you to know. And this, to me, is the reason why they went so hard on attacking Trump before he was in office, and then when he got in office to find a way to concoct some reverse-engineered crime to remove him because they're afraid of what he's going to uncover, and it's bigger than anything you can imagine. Trust me on that one. Back on the other side of the break, stick with us. This is Adrian Slade. Adrian Slade Broadcast. But tonight we're wondering what happened to all the people around the creepy porn lawyer. And there were a lot of them. How are they doing? The Democratic officials who begged him to run for president. The donors who funded his exploratory committee. And more than anything, the media. They truly love this man. He's a beast. He's a beast. And he keeps popping Donald Trump and all of his folks in the mouth. John Meacham says he may be the savior of the republic. I owe Michael Avenatti an apology. For the last couple of weeks, I've been saying, enough already, Michael. I've seen you everywhere. What do you have left to say? I was wrong, brother. You have a lot to say. The Democrats could learn something for you. Oh, it's a match made in heaven. They deserve each other. But today we're especially concerned about CNN. In a single two-month span, that channel welcomed the creepy extortion lawyer onto their air a remarkable 65 times. And maybe that's where he learned the negotiating skills he tried to use with Nike. According to reports, another CNN legal analyst, Mark Garagos, colluded along with him in this scheme against Nike. Garagos has been indicted, too. There's no words about it. Who else at CNN might be arrested? But, of course, we'll keep you posted on that. Yeah, I don't know. I agree with you. I don't know if it's a good thing that star power and TV uh, savvy is required for the job, but I think it is. And and by the way, I think President Obama also had a lot of TV star power, and that helped him pre-Trump. But Trump is more evidence of this. And looking ahead to 2020, 
Uh, one reason why I'm taking you seriously as a contender is because of your presence on cable news. All, all of my sexual fantasies involve handcuffs. Oh. Oh. It's always fun to sit there and listen to those old clips of the media going on and on about Michael Avenatti. Oh, he's the greatest thing in the world. Greatest thing since sliced bread. Greatest thing since iced water. And you know what? Brian Stelter going on and on about how he wants him to be a potential presidential contender. It's just classic. Not to mention Avenatti talking to The View about how he loves to uh, be in in handcuffs while making whoopee. Looks like he's going to get that wish. But he's not going down without bringing some, you know, some of his cats with him. No, he's not. Avenatti, yep. Mark Dragueros, Jesse Smollett's attorney, who is also the attorney for Nexium. Nexium was the sex cult that that uh, Smallville actress was hooked up with, which also has ties to the Seagram's heiress, and they contributed to the Clintons. But we're not going to get into that right now. That's a whole other show that I'm actually working on. I've been working on it for months. And if I can find all of the right ties, then maybe I'll put it together and put it out. But makes you wonder if some of the attacks on Donald Trump were to cover up an entire ring that's been going on in the background that was able to enjoy some shroud of protection by whoever was in leadership you know, within our government. I don't know. But Avenatti, he is actually saying that the Phoenix Suns, DeAndre Ayton and his mother were allegedly taking cash payments from Nike before uh, this whole situation. So he's going to bring them down. And Mark Rigueros is the attorney for Jesse Smollett, who just had all his charges dropped. I mean, hey, you want to go out there and you want to use up and, and uh, exploit police resources for a fake crime that you can exploit to the media and get on Good Morning America? Well, I guess you'll be okay if you're somebody who operates in Hollywood. You'll be A-OK. They'll leave you alone. They'll drop all that stuff. So he's not going to go down without a fight. But let's listen to some of these other people who have died on their swords. The Central Intelligent Agency Chief administrator john brennan who died on his sword left and right thinking that there was definitely something to the Mueller report let's listen to him before and uh, i don't know listen to him after for example this week on friday not knowing anything about it but friday is the day that the grand jury indictments come down and also this friday is better than next friday because next friday is the 15th of march which is the ides of march and i don't think robert Mueller will want to have that dramatic uh flair of the ides of march when he is going to be delivering what i think are going to be his indictments the final indictments as well as the report that he gives to the attorney general what makes you believe that he has more indictments um, because he hasn't addressed the issues related to criminal conspiracy as well as any individual criminal conspiracy involving the Russian and Russians. Yes, yeah, I think it was very and, in, and in that's terms of an area, American person, you know, U.S. person. That's an area you know something about. That that investigation was developing while you were still on the job. 
Well, it was in terms of looking at what was going on with the Russians and whether or not U.S. persons were actively collaborating, colluding, cooperating, involved in a conspiracy with them or not. Uh, but also if there's going to be any member of Did the Trump family. Did you see enough at that stage to believe that there would now that that would result in indictments once investigated? I, I thought at the time that there was going to be individuals who were going to have uh, issues with the Department of Justice. Yes, and I think we've already seen a number of individuals who have been indicted, either have pled guilty or have been convicted now. So, I, again, I don't have any inside knowledge. I'm not talking with anybody in special yes, counsels. Yes, you do. You have the inside well, knowledge. But, but not what, about the status of, of the investigation right now. Yeah. But I do think also if anybody from the Trump family, an extended family, is going to be indicted, it would be in the final act of mm -hmm. Mueller's investigation, because Bob Mueller and I think his team knows that if he were to do something, uh, indicting a Trump family member, or if he were to go forward with indictment on criminal conspiracy involving U.S. persons, that would basically be the death knell of the special counsel's office, because I don't believe that Donald Trump would allow uh, Bob Mueller to continue in the aftermath of those types of actions. John Brennan, thank you very much. Uh, it, you have to listen to every word in the John Brennan answer. Thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate it. I'm just curious, uh, Mr. Director, um, how surprised were you uh, by the findings uh, yesterday, by the conclusions that were drawn? And uh, I'm just curious, did you receive bad information throughout this process, like so many of us did, uh, that uh, there was more there than ended up in the report regarding collusion? Well, I don't know if I received bad information, but I think I suspected that there was more than there actually was. Um, and I, I am relieved that there, it's been determined that there was not a criminal conspiracy with the Russian government um, over our election. I think that is good news for the country. And so I still point to things that were done publicly or <clears throat> efforts to try to uh, have conversations with the Russians that were inappropriate. But um, I'm not all that surprised that uh, the high bar of criminal conspiracy was not met. Um, I am surprised at that second part of obstruction of justice in terms of how it came out. I don't know whether or not Bob Mueller wanted the Attorney General to um, pronounce on that issue, or whether or not Bob Mueller felt that it would be best for Congress and American people to determine whether the weight of the information uh, indicates that uh, Donald Trump uh, did try to obstruct justice. So uh, there are some surprises there, and that's why I think getting to the full Mueller report is the best way to get some of these, if not all of these questions. And there are a few others that I think we should listen to. How about Eric Holder? And then to give a little counterpoint, listen to George Papadopoulos. Does the lack of the conspiracy indictment clear Donald Trump of collusion? Uh, I think it does. I mean, uh, on the basis of what I have seen, I've not seen the Mueller report, but basis of the letter that Attorney General Barr uh, put together, it would seem to me that uh, that is a substantial finding there. And I think it's good news for, um, you know, for the president and for his campaign. Good news for the president. What was it like seeing these commentators? This is just a small sample. Talk about you as a liar. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, from day one, I knew this entire thing was a hoax. Unfortunately, I just couldn't speak. Um, you know, I basically had a gag order on me until I was sentenced, and I was very fortunate that my then-girlfriend, now-wife, was slowly going on TV, kind of giving some hints that, look, it's not what you think. Um, she obviously couldn't tell the whole story because there was, you know, legalities involved, but um, I think that she was starting to give a couple hints when she was going on ABC News, MSNBC, CNN, and people started to look at my story, and things weren't adding up. George Papadopoulos, that guy, they ran him through the ringer trying to make him look like 
the Russian advocate, the connection of collusion, him and Carter Page, which they were just exploiting them so that they can build this fake spy network by using the, you know, all of the the powers of the NSA, the DOJ, the FBI. It's unbelievable. You know, New York Times had a great article. No, actually, I'm sorry. I take that back. We're going to get to that. The Daily Caller had a great article on all of the top media lies surrounding this story. And the reason why I'm covering it for this show is because this is the this is the Maltese Falcon of media subversion and lies. This is the Pink Panther Diamond of media narrative fabrication. I mean, we talk about the Covenant Kids, Ahmed the Clock Kid, Ferguson, you know, Hands Up, Don't Shoot, Michael Brown, Trayvon Martin, the Covington Kids, which I just mentioned, but, you know, <laughs> you can't mention it enough. Jesse Smollett's attack. All of these things are media narratives, and the Mueller report, or the investigation of Russian collusion, was the pinnacle of this. This is the Denali of fake news narratives. And so we go through a list that the Daily Caller has. Number one, CNN accuses Don Jr. of WikiLeaks collusion, which I remember when this came out, I was like, um, we, they, they went on to say, Don Jr. had an encrypted access to WikiLeaks for the information. Um, we all did. Everybody had access. This is from Daily Caller. Last December, CNN's Manu Raju reported that WikiLeaks emailed Donald Trump Jr. to give him access to stolen documents a full 10 days before they were released to the public. Unfortunately for CNN, it turns out their sources gave him the wrong date. Don Jr. actually received an email with access to the stolen documents on September 14th, 2016, after they had already been released publicly. How about number two, ABC tanks stock market with fake Flynn news. ABC was forced to suspend Brian Ross after he falsely reported that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn was prepared to testify that then-candidate Donald Trump ordered him to make contact with the Russians. The stock market dropped a few hundred points at that news, and it turned out to be fake. How about Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, under investigation, but he wasn't. In June, CNN relied on a single unnamed source to claim that Scaramucci was under investigation for a meeting that he took with a Russian banker prior to Trump's inauguration. Anthony Scaramucci, the mooch, denied the story, and CNN gave him a much-deserved apology. How about Bloomberg's dirty Deutsche Bank scoop? Remember that one? Bloomberg initially reported that in December, that special counsel Robert Mueller had zeroed in on Trump by subpoenaing, subpoenaing, let's get that word right, Deutsche Bank records for the incoming president and his family. How about Sessions being exonerated? Last May, CNN was sure that Attorney General Jeff Sessions had botched protocol when he didn't list Meetings he had with the Russian ambassador on his security clearance forms. Well, a little over six months later, CNN quietly walked back the scandal, explaining that the FBI sent emails informing Sessions' aide that he did not need to disclose the meetings on the forms because they were carried out in the course of his duties as a senator. Oh, man. How about Russians aren't just hacking the election? They're hacking our power grid. Washington Post claimed in 2017 that Russians were hacking the U.S. power grid through a company in Vermont only to change the story 
to say that only one laptop was infiltrated. Turns out that laptop was never even connected to the power grid. Remember Republicans funding the dossier? A number of news outlets have consistently claimed Republicans initially paid for the anti-Trump Steele dossier, failing to note that Steele wasn't even contracted by Fusion GPS until after the GOP donors pulled the funding. Republican donors say they paid Fusion for standard opposition research and they had zero connection to the dossier. The media has perpetuated this falsehood so consistently that even former FBI Director James Comey was confused, repeating the lie in an interview with Fox News' Brett Baer. CNN gets the Comey prediction wildly wrong. Prior to the FBI, Director James Comey's congressional testimony back in June, CNN asserted that Comey was prepared to contradict a key claim by President Trump that Comey told him he was not under investigation. Sadly for them, Comey's prepared testimony was released with the line, during our one-on-one meeting at Trump Tower, I offered assurance that he was not under investigation. Man, I mean, you can go on and on. You can go on about how, um, you know, the, the donations. NBC botched its big scoop claiming that Paul Manafort's notes from a meeting with a Russian lawyer included the word donations near a reference to the Republican National Committee. Turns out not only did the word donations not appear in Manafort's notes, but the word donor didn't either. Oh, did Cohen go to Prague? Oh, yeah. Well, he even said himself under oath he did not go to Prague. Lanny Davis obliterates CNN's Trump Tower story. CNN reported in uh, July that former Trump attorney Michael Cohen was prepared to tell special counsel Robert Mueller that the president had knowledge in advance of the Trump Tower meeting between his son and the Russians. But Cohen's lawyer, Lanny Davis, a big old Clinton hack, said in August that CNN's reporting got mixed up and that Cohen had no information related to the Trump Tower meeting. Cohen has said the same to Congress on two separate occasions. And we can go on and on. I mean, CNN being the worst of these offenders, and in fact, it's kind of funny right now when you see Brian Stelter basically walking everything back. He's doing everything he can to play damage control. And like we said earlier, he's got this introspection about well, should, what should the media have done? Should we have done better? Well, defending the, new, the network's extensive coverage of the investigation, CNN President Jeff Zucker told the New York Times his employees are not investigators, and he was entirely comfortable with their reporting. This is from Mediaite. We are not investigators. We are journalists, and our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did, Zucker said. A sitting president's own uh, Justice Department investigated his campaign for collusion with a hostile nation. That's not enormous because the media says so. That's enormous because it's unprecedented. When the quote was shared by Brian Stelter, it received criticism from those pointing out that CNN's pundits heavily relied on speculation while covering the Russian probe. And in fact, they have full sections in the CNN media uh, on their on their website that talks about how they are investigators. Brian Stelter tweeted out CNN President Jeff Zucker. We are not investigators. We are journalists and our role is to report the facts as we know them, which is exactly what we did. Tim Poole kind of had a good take on this. He said, wow, good on CNN for just coming right out and admitting it, admitting it. They don't investigate. This is what I've been saying. They basically just read press releases and tweets. 
Well, Stelter responded with, Tim, you're insulting hundreds of hardworking journalists. The meaning of the Zucker quote is quite obvious. He's contrasting federal investigators who were charged with investigating Russia's 2016 attack with journalists who were covering the investigation. Tim Poole responded with, didn't you guys ax your investigative unit years ago? After Covington, I would have to disagree. Random Twitter users had the story right before CNN did, to which I actually even replied with, hey, I watched the full video with the Covington kids. After all these posts kept showing up in my feed that didn't make any sense, and I came to the conclusion of what really happened out of genuine curiosity. What used to fuel journalists. That's what, that's what the whole thing was about. Curiosity. And then Brian Stelter plays more damage control, where he says attorney Mark Gregoros moonlighted as a CNN legal analyst, but not anymore per a CNN spokeswoman. He's no longer a contributor. Um, everybody was like, dude, he, uh, he's been a contributor up until earlier this week when everything came out. These people have no shame. They have no way of playing damage control on two years worth of crap that they've peddled. But yet they're willing to do so, and they don't care that they've destroyed their credibility to the point of no return. They have dug a hole. They have buried it. They lit the freaking ground on fire. They stomped on it, and then they drove over it with the truck, and their credibility was buried in the process. They have no credibil credibility left. So if you're watching CNN or MSNBC, and even Fox to this degree, now that they brought on Donna Brazil and... You know, they're bringing in all these other rhinos. You have to look for other credible sources of journalism. And going back to the people that broke this is a good start. The Byron Yorks, the uh, John Solomons, you know, the, the uh, Kimberly Strassels. Because they're the ones who are curious enough to look beyond partisanship and go where the story takes them and bring you the complete mosaic of facts. Now, it's almost as if we had a little war between the media and narratives and things of that nature. Because if you think about it, I mean, think about what we went through. First, the Mueller report, or actually Barr's summary of the Mueller report, comes out saying that there was no Russian collusion whatsoever. And almost immediately... The crap hits the fan for Avenatti and all of those other uh, crazy details about, you know, uh, the um, Mark Garros, the Nexium attorney. I think he was the attorney for, was he the attorney for Michael Jackson? I mean, he was also an attorney for Jesse Smollett. And we get all that coming out about how that they tried to extort Nike and then on the other side of the coin, oh, and to go with that, we find out a couple other interesting things happened at the same time. We find out that the Green New Deal was destroyed 0 to 57 with like, what, 43 uh, Democrats voting present. So everything that they pushed, everything that they wanted was placed on the table and nobody supported it. And even if they abstained, that's obviously looked at as not supporting you had the opportunity to fulfill a campaign promise. You had the opportunity to capitalize on somebody trying to make a mockery 
of what you were doing. And all they did was put it out on the table, said, hey, let's have a vote on it. Put everybody on record. If that's a mockery, then why are you pushing this agenda in the first place? You had that along with the fact that Donald Trump's emergency funding, the veto that he passed, it survived. It, it didn't fail. They could not overturn his veto. To me, that's, that's pretty stunning. So if that veto is in play, then so is his emergency funding pr- provision. But, you know, we've got on the other side of the coin, we've got North Carolina, the federal court banning or going after the abortion ban of North Carolina. And we have Jesse Smollett, uh, Smollett dropped of all his charges by the state attorney, Kim Fox, who was put into power by a nice six-figure donation from Soros in the tune of, what, 400 and some thousand dollars? Oh, and um, she's an Obama buddy or one of Obama's aides. In fact, um, Michelle Obama's chief of staff helped work with her. You know, uh, Tina Tekken has been exposed as a person who intervened with Cook County's state attorney, Kim Fox, to convince the judge to drop all charges against Jesse Smollett because, you know, we wouldn't want that narrative being eviscerated. The whole Trump with the uh, the noose and all that, even though it's all been shown to be a scam. But, I mean, this is how we've been rolling. This is what's been going on. This is the media narratives and the shady politicians covering up things. You know, think about what Brennan was talking about. First, oh, he knows everything. CIA chief, he knows it all. All of a sudden, he doesn't, he might have gotten bad information. You know, if the CIA was running guns through a secret CIA annex in Libya to Syria, in alignment with what John McCain and other GOP war hawks, along with the EU, most importantly, the United Kingdom, who, you know, I mean, wouldn't that give John Brennan more motivation to help destroy an outsider who won the presidency? One would assume that would make the UK, Australia, the other five eyes nervous about what they were doing in Syria and a president coming in from the outside that may see it all. Maybe they were helping Iran take their proxy military outlet of Syria against Israel, just like we did with Baghdad to Iran. And maybe that's why MI5 Christopher Steele That agent was utilized. The Clintons were making out like freaking bandits out of all this. And if someone outside of either establishments of the GOP and the DNC were to get wind of all the nefarious activity they were engaged in without a way to mitigate or even shroud the details, blowback would be severe. So you've got this. You've got gun running to Syria, human trafficking, sex trafficking. If we look into Jeffrey Epstein's island and Nexium. And they all have Clinton ties. You've got aiding Russia, Uranium One, the Skoklovo project we talked about, propping up Iran against Israel. This is all hidden behind what a non-political president would stumble into due to his election. But they thought Trump was a sure loser. Those involved in this, they had dossiers on every GOP candidate. You'll find that out. But Trump, pushing Trump, they were hoping to eviscerate the branch, the entire bench the GOP had, and then when he got to the general, he would lose, only he didn't. 
So the mission to spy in order to find out what the administration may have been privy to was enacted. The mission to ruin the cabinet nominations were started. The mission to discredit him and eventually try to impeach him was pushed into gear. And by the way, be skeptical on Lindsey Graham. He was hawking Syria right along with McCain and Rubio. He's getting in good with Trump to mitigate the fallout that could implicate him in all of this as well. He's just now working in our interest. Seriously? He never did for years. Keep in mind, he has helped Cutter. In fact, Cutter's building military planes and setting up some sort of military installation right there in South Carolina. In fact, that, that's the thing that's amazing is all of this goes back to the fact that there's interest from the Middle East being pressured on the GOP establishment, conservative media, Cutter, putting their hands all over the Brookings Institute. And then you have on the left, God knows what it can be uncovered, you know, aiding and abetting Russia and Iran and uh, maybe human trafficking. I mean, all of this was why they enacted this scheme to shroud all of the nefarious activities from a president coming into power. And it's why they wanted to discredit him. It's also why they wanted to get him to a place where he was ineffective and possibly removed. So when we think about everything that's been going on this week, we've had sort of a, an illumination. You know, the Soros plan to put attorney generals into play was to legally contort state issues so that it works federally together. That's what they did with Smollett. All of these things, the Mueller report, Smollett, they all fall into place and they all need to be looked at with a scrutinized eye. I'm Adrian Slade. I appreciate you tuning into the show. You can listen to the show on Mojo Five O. It is the edgiest and newest conservative libertarian talk network every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also on Saturday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, midnight Sunday morning Eastern Standard Time, and on Sunday at 5 p.m. Check out the podcast. You can check it out on Mojo Five-O's Spreaker page, Spreaker.com, or you can check it out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, iHeart Podcast, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, anywhere podcasts are hosted, you can get the uh, free Adrian Slade Show podcast. Be sure to rate it. Give it a five-star rating if you can. That helps bring it up in the ranks. You can also check out the blog, adriansladeshow.com. Also, follow me on Twitter, at Adrian Slade Show or at Rants Out Loud. You can also find me on other social media platforms, Facebook, Gab, MeWe, the official Mojo Five O social media site, Parlor, also on Snippy, and Convo. Search Adrian Slade. You could also donate to the show. Patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show or go to anchor.fm and donate. We'll see you guys next time.